Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Oh, hi. It's Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm Cindy Howes, and I am the host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. The world is crazy. Music is great. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of great new music, and I promised last week that I would send out a newsletter with my favorite records from February, and I didn't do it. Not because I didn't want to. I have my list ready to go, uh, but maybe I'll try to get to that this weekend. And if you'd like to see what I've been listening to, you can sign up for my mailing list, cindyhouse.net. And there's also a Facebook group I will post on, Basic Folk Basics. We still have, we still has this knit hats for sale, Basic Folk beanies. Um, they are still available. So you can check them out on my website, cindyhouse.net. Today on the podcast, very excited to welcome back our first repeat guest, Nora Jane Struthers, who was on the fourth ever episode of Basic Folk. For this time around, we're going to go track by track on her new album, which just came out, Bright Lights, Long Drives, First Words, one of my favorites, that was released in February. The record was recorded while she was eight months pregnant after a long struggle with infertility, which she talks all about on episode four of Basic Folk. She tells the whole incredible story. This album addresses the dichotomy between realizing this hard-earned dream and also the actual reality of keeping her career alive, going on the road and everything like that, in the wake of becoming a new mom. There are songs about finding home in your family, being too far away from your friends, and the song that Nora Jane claims is the best song she's ever wrote. On this episode, she's kind enough to go through the album song by song and address different themes and different styles. My favorite song on the album is an amazing track called To Catch a Phoenix, which is super dramatic, very Game of Thrones, Hunger Games, Harry Potter. So Nora Jane is so smart and so well-spoken, and she's also very funny, in, and she has a very dry sense of humor in a way that sometimes I'm like, are you being serious? And I'm like, no, she's just joking. And it's she's very funny when she's like breaking down the metaphor of how you catch a phoenix line by line, like very straight face. And I'm sitting there like listening to her with my jaw on the floor. It's like very cool. Please enjoy this track by track on Basic Folk for Nora Jane Struthers. 
and her new album, Bright Lights, Long Drive's First Words, on Basic Folk. Nora Jane Struthers, thanks for being here. The new album, Bright Lights, Long Drive's First Words. And we're doing something different on the episode today because you have been on Basic Folk before. One of the very first guests that we had on. Woo! And it was a very fun interview and we learned so much about you. But I want to talk specifically about this album today and do like a a track by track and get some background information. Uh, It's a great record. Thank you. And I have like some specific questions about what was going on at the time with you. But if there's anything that you might have been listening to or watching or reading when you were writing these songs that might have crept in as an Mm. influence. That's such an interesting question. I, um, so yeah, I wrote the record, um, really between January and September of 2018. And then we recorded it in November. So I wrote the songs over like a nine month period. I don't know. I, to be honest with you, Cindy, I really like don't, when I'm, when I'm writing, I don't listen to a lot of music um, for this, this is so lame, but it's the truth for like the second half of the months when I was writing these songs, I was listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks. Narr- oh, they're so good. Narrated by the one and only Jim Dale. Oh my God. Because I was pregnant and I was like trying, I like, I specifically didn't want to be taking in like media or entertainment that would like raise my adrenaline levels. Um, because I thought that would be like negative, that would negatively impact my fetus. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've read things about that, how if you are like pregnant and in a war torn country, all the adrenaline spikes will like cause your baby to, to have like really strong limbs and like less, like less of the, less of the growth will go to their brain. <laughs> Cause they're like born like more ready to like, is that crazy? That is. I know. It sounds like it's not true, but it's true. You can look it up. Wow. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, uh, a lot of Harry Potter, but I don't. I don't really feel like that crept its way into my mm. songwriting. But fun fact. Yes, more of a fun fact. The last time we we spoke, you were pregnant, mm. and that was very exciting mm-hmm. because you had had many infertility issues, and it was always a dream of yours to have a family. Um, you recorded the album while eight months pregnant, and I found this this great quote that you're talking about, like, I really recommend being eight months pregnant while you make a record. Yeah. No, I think it was a great experience. I think um, there's a lot about pregnancy that is humbling. And uh, and for someone like me who maybe <laughs> sort of drives in the lane of control freak a little bit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a control freak, but I'm definitely very comfortable being in control. Mm. Um, and I can also relinquish control when appropriate, mm-hmm. you know. That's good. Yeah. But, yeah, so I think, but being pregnant, like, you just, you have no control over anything. And so, for me, it was a real paradigm shift, and it sort of, that uh, experience, it really invaded all spaces of my life. And so, in the studio, I was just, like, you know, just kind of letting everything be what it was. And that was really, that was really fun for me. In a, in a, it was really fun to just, like, let it happen and, and be witness to it. And then you started this garden, which I want to hear about, where you did all this research, and you're trying to take your mind off of things. Mm. Is that correct? Yeah, well, some of it was about, yeah, some of it was about having a project. I think, um, you know, my, so my mom's dad, my grand, my, my maternal grandfather, uh, was a farmer, and, a, and he also ran a fertilizer company, like a bone, bone meal fertilizer company in Pennsylvania. And so part of my identity has always been that, like, we come from 
farmers. Like I, I feel connected to the land sort of vicariously through that family connection. And I, and I was thinking about, you know, how if we are about to have our own child, which we were, you know, we had the embryo transfer scheduled for April. So this is like in January and February, I'm planning this garden and, and I'm thinking like, you know, if I, if we don't have a garden, then it's, it's not going to be enough for like her to have her great grandfather who she's never met. And you know what I mean? Who, who she'll mm-hmm. never meet. Just like, I wanted her to have more of a connection to the land. Cause I feel like it, it is so grounding and rooting. And, um, so there was that. And then there was also just that I like wanted to get into really good shape and I don't like going to a gym or exercising in a traditional sense anymore. Like I lived in New York and I used to do the whole gym and like, you know, I used to run every morning and I don't know. It was just so intense and like the whole gym thing, like it's great. If you love doing it, that's great. I, I associate that, that thing with being stressed out since I was like really stressed out when I was living in New York and I would go to the gym to like relieve the stress. So I have this like sort of counterintuitive pairing of stress and working out, if that makes any sense. Yes. So <laughs> it's like a job. It's not fun. Right. So instead, my, you know, the way I prefer to get my exercise now is by like building things. And, like, being able to see at the end of it, like, the fruits of my labor. So, yeah, I wanted to get into, like, I wanted to get into good shape before we did the embryo transfer so that I could be really strong for pregnancy. And, um, that, like, yeah, it took us a whole month to build this garden. It's 21 raised beds. We built a dripline irrigation system. It's, like, a, it's a whole thing. You could water the garden on your phone? Yeah. While you're on tour? Yes. It's amazing. That's mind blowing. It's mind blowing, and it's and it's fantastic because otherwise, I mean, if you, if you ever, if you grow anything, you know that like the most time consuming thing is the watering. Like it takes no time to put a seed in the ground, right? But like you have to water it twice a day every day. Let's get into this record. It starts off with a song that you're like, it's a really good driving song, so I'm going to start this one off. It's called Nice to Be Back Home. And from first listen, it's as, it sounds like um, you know, you're getting into it, and it's like, oh, you like to be home like in your house. But then the next verse seems to be about like someone who travels a lot but still finds that sense of home. And then the sense of home is in the next verse is actually in your partner. Mm-hmm. From here... I've got so many notes about this song, actually. You had a quote, I'd love to not sound like a Hallmark card here, but I fear it's unavoidable. Home is not a place, it's a feeling. My husband and now our daughter are my home. Yeah. Did I get it right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, there is something about really, like, walking into your your physical home and the, the feeling of that, but it's really special to be able to do what I do and travel around the country and um, travel anywhere and, and you know, at the end of the day just like collapse into the into the arms of my loved ones and feel like, okay, here we are. Nice to be back home. <laughs> I feel like my old self 
myself. That's the next one. It's the second best song on the record. Is that why it's the second song? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. That might be why it's the second song. It sounds like the, s- the clouds are parting, mm-hmm. coming out of a haze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wrote, as I said, I wrote these songs in 2018, and 2017 was a really hard year for me. We were dealing, dealing with all this infertility um, and trying, trying to overcome it in sort of more, uh, more non-traditional ways, like not using um, Western medicine. We were doing some Eastern medicine. We were doing some acupuncture. And it really seemed, I mean, I, I still believe that all of that stuff could have worked. It just, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. And then there was also like, I had a whole business plan. I had this whole thing set up. I had a new record. I had a team. I thought that was like just about to come together. I had a record label that was about to sign me. I had a manager that was about to sign me and then everything like totally fell apart. So yeah, mm. 2017 was a tough year and I just like, whew. At the end of it, I felt like I really had my ass kicked. And so then 2018 came, and it was something about just, like, having the clean slate of the new year. And, uh, yeah, I wrote this I wrote this song on, like, July. I mean, on January... I think this was... Really, I think it was January 4th. There's really something to be said about taking that moment, you know, because when, when you're in that dark period of time, it feels a lot of times like this is just how life is going to be now. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. I feel like the heaviness is going to be on me every day. But then when the clouds part and you start feeling like your old self again, it's sometimes uh, hard to even recognize that things are better now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. This is coming from a place of like practicing meditation mm-hmm. or um, just trying to get through a dark time where you're acknowledging that there is like there is like a blue sky past those clouds. Yeah. Do you take time to, to do that during those dark times or are you just like this is the way it's going to be? Oh, I'm, oh man. I mean, I like very much when I'm, when I'm in any kind of, you know, darker period like that, it's really hard for me to see past the clouds. Mm. But the things, the things that I do are like, I like make sure to like get outside and like walk around under the, you know, in the air Mm -hmm. and like move myself forward through time and space with my own body. Mm -hmm. That always like, you know, that kind of like... Is a, is a weak substitute for control, and uh, but <laughs> but helpful nonetheless. Well, it's like you got to do something. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I think you know. Also, my my partner Joe is just like he's always buoying. Boy- I never know how to say that right. You know what I'm saying, right? I think that's the right way to say. Yeah, and um, and like has just a, you know he can he can put anything in perspective. So that's, that's very helpful. Very helpful. I feel like my New Jersey? Jersey. Okay, tell me about this song. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, so I grew up in Jersey, and um, I live in Nashville. I've been in Nashville for 11 years, and mo- I have a really great group of friends from high school. They're, those are, That's like my, those are my old friends. I didn't, I did not sustain a group of friends after college. Uh, I went to NYU, and I just like, it was just hard to find and build community there. I think it was such a big school. Um, but yeah, I've got great friends from high school, and um, I'm like, 
pretty bummed that I'm like missing out on raising my kid in that community because I just love those people so much. Mm. Um, and I also just like love New Jersey so much, but I also I've been living in the South and I'm like soft now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I like I don't want to live softer than a Care Bear. Yeah, I'm exactly. <laughs> I, I, I am. I'm too soft. I'm too soft. I mean, I, I can like navigate Jersey really well. And I, like, love going back. I love the culture. I love the, like, funny, gruff friendliness of the Northeast, you know? Um, but I, I also, like, just, it's a lot easier to be in the in the soft friendliness of the South. Right. Yeah, you do make a lot of um, references to how kind of, like, hard-edged people in New Jersey are. Yeah. And you miss that. I do. I, li- I like how, like, just, like, open book people are, you know? In the north, I like. I really like that. We're three songs into the record, and we come upon like the first kind of slower mm. song, um, and it's it's the first very clear like duet between you and Joe on the album, which he's been on the other songs, but this is like definitely the two of you singing. It's the first acoustic song. The sequence of the album is is interesting to me, like, in general, like, mm. how people decide what songs to put where. Um, you have three very strong rock songs, and then this lovely song um, with you and your husband. Yeah, this is I the best that. song on the record, in case you were wondering. <laughs> maybe the best song I've ever written. It's called A Good Thing. That's it, right? That's the next song? A Good Thing. Okay, yes. yes. Great. Yeah, I think this might be the best song I've ever written. I don't know. I know a good thing when it comes around I feel fine fortune when it's staring me down if I could hold here in this moment and stay would I be contented if life never changed yeah it's just about that you know, when you've when you've moved through the hard part of life and you're like in a moment where everything is actually pretty damn good, the bittersweetness of knowing that it can't stay that way. On the one hand, I think it's like so great because you're able to just like really savor how beautiful different moments in life can be. But also, of course, it's hard because you know that it's going to go away. Mm. Yeah. Why do you think this is the best song you've ever written? Just the reaction I get from people when I play it live, people always ask for... Like, before the record came out, we were playing this song for, like, six months live, and people would say, where is that song? I want that one. It's a good song. You can't have it yet. You can't have it. Yeah. A good thing's too good to stay here. Slow climb, slow climb. Climb is the next one. A song about working towards something the right way, slowly. Mm. As someone who has, who enjoys having control, mm. how do you feel about that process? Oh, it's pain in the ass, man. No, I, <laughs> I wish, um, yeah, it would be nice if things didn't have to be so slow, but they, that's just the experience of that I have in my life is that, you know, it really, it, it, it is a pain, but honestly, it's so much better because... I think about how, like, 
like I put out a record in 2015 and like I don't know how I got it into my I got it into my head my drummer and I both maybe the whole band and, and I got it into our heads that we were gonna like break you know we were gonna get like big off this record this was gonna be the record um, we got we got like a big booking agent you know we just we were feeling like this is it man mm. and um, and I think about it you know now and oh my gosh thank goodness that wasn't the record that like made us big because we were I don't know we just were not ready to handle anything like that. So, mm. um, uh, but just in case you're wondering, we're ready now. Ready now. <laughs> yeah, we're ready now. Um, no, but I think, yeah, I think that getting, like, building something from the ground up and building it yourself is a great way to go through life. And it's funny, because I re- when I wrote the song, I was really feeling like it was more of a, like, secular gospel. I, I was feeling, like, bluegrassy about it, mm-hmm. you know, because I come from, like, a bluegrass background. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my band's never going to play this, but I, I have the philosophy that if I start writing a song, I need to finish writing it just to, like, get it out so I can move on to the next one, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, I'm just going to finish it. And, like, my ba- like I thought it was good. It was not that I thought it was bad. I just didn't think that we would play it. So in that way, it's, like, a little useless, you know? And uh, and then I, like, sent it to my bandmates, and they were like, no, this is going to be sweet. Like, we just need to, we just need to, like, change the feel. And I was like, okay. Right on. That's great. Yeah. It's so fun. has it seems like a very important song because it has the title track in it bright lights long drives first words and correct me if i'm wrong it seems to be a song about you wanting both you want it all you want family you want a career Mm -hmm. i was trying to think about this i wanted to know about your experience if you had anything like specific in your life where somebody told you that you couldn't have both Oh, I mean, I just, I think it's just a societal expectation that, um... Yeah, it seems like not even something that's, like, overt. Yeah, I mean, well, and and also just realistically, like, I think think it's challenging to to have a career and a family. I think that everybody who does it agrees that it's challenging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, of course, the burden is, like... And, and I don't burden is not maybe the right word, but the, the well, yeah, the burden of the choice is so often like put on the mother, mm-hmm. um, if only if only because she may or may not be nursing, and like the amount of time that that takes away from uh, the, the way that that requires you to be physically present is different than in, for a father. I feel like so far we've been able to. Balance. I don't know. I'm, I'm like hesitant to use the word balance. To just do both, and uh, yeah. I mean, I guess there's some pretty good balance. I'm really. I mean, I'm really lucky. My husband is in my band, and you know, he's not only is he like just the best human ever. He gives me so much space to do what I need to do. So, mm-hmm. is the baby on the road? Oh yeah, we bring her with us. Yeah. How old is she now? She's 14 months, and she's the cutest. I love all the um, the the pictures and videos you put on Instagram mm. where like you and Joe are being like so adorable and cute, and she's just sort of like hard, <laughs> she kind of like hardly knows that she's alive. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's like a, a, a cute confusion. I like it. I want it All right, the next song, To Catch a Phoenix, like, wow, this is a really powerful song. Far away in Death Valley There is one way To catch a phoenix You gotta put out your heart And just leave it on the ground The line Far away in Death Valley, there's one way to catch a phoenix. You have to put out your heart and leave it on the ground. And then you're like talking about like, can't stitch it up. You just got to leave it out there and hope that you're strong enough. Um, so this song seems like a different type of writing for you. Like it's kind of zoomed in on the poetic telling of pain. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely the the... The lyrical style is is way different than anything else on the record. I feel like strangely self-conscious about it. We almost didn't put it on there. We this is one of two songs that we really sort of worked up in the studio um, with the band. Everything else we were, like played out on the road and got really comfortable with. And um, I sort of threw this one in last minute. Um, and it's definitely like you know it's kind of like Gabriel Garcia Marquezy. It's like a little magical realism going on with like it's like a quest. Um, this is where the Harry Potter came through. This is where the Harry Potter came through. There it is. Because I was thinking, like, it would be a good... I was writing, like, trying to think of, like, a good movie that would be good for it, and I thought, like, Hunger Games uh, would be good, like, something that's, like, very, like, passionate, where the protagonist uh -huh. is sort of, like, cutting off emotions. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that must be it. I really have had Gabriel Garcia Marquez in my head the whole time, but, like, no, it's totally Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So about this song, and I, I think I might, I, I got the lyrics to the record late, so I think I might be missing the part. Do you ever catch the phoenix in the song? Uh, it's it's, it's open-ended. You may or may not catch the phoenix. Um, actually, no, I think in the song, no, it's, it is open-ended, but I think in the song, um, the phoenix, like, no, I think the phoenix gets away. But, but what it leaves behind is like, the, your, it eats your heart, right? So the, the way, the way you do it. Okay. Is you cut out your heart. Okay. And you got to be in Death Valley and like you know in the salt, you know the salt yeah. pan situation. All right, you cut out your heart and you leave it on the ground and and you hope that, like it's still beating and you hope it's beating loud enough for the phoenix to come and like to, to hear you. Mm -hmm. And if it comes, it might not choose you. And if it doesn't choose you, it just flies away. Oh no, so it does. It does choose you. So but if it does choose you, it eats your heart and leaves behind the little glowing heart seed, right? And then you have to put the heart seed. It flies away after it eats your heart. It puts your heart seed back in your chest, and you, and then you have to sew it up, and like if you're lucky, like a, a flame will ignite, and then you will, like get to grow, a new heart. And it's all you know. It's about it's about how you have to, just, if you want something, you have to go this go is, for it. This is some sci-fi yeah. fantasy stuff. Got to go for it. One more question: Why Death Valley? Is that where the phoenix? Well, just because the word death, really. Just like you know, the idea that like through through death is rebirth. It's a great song. Mm. It's very goth. Thank you. This next song... You can go to Hot Topic and listen to it. Totally. <laughs> to Catch a Phoenix, playing in a mall near you. <laughs> so
Okay, The Hunger. This next song I thought was so metal. Like mm. the lyrics, I've been hungry since I rode into town. And then the line that I was like, that's so metal. No one here likes staring into starving eyes. Pull off your face, put on this disguise. Uh-huh. Metal. It's, it's metaphor. <laughs> it's it. It's not like you're not literal. No, that one's a metaphor. Also, the phoenix thing is a metaphor, too, in case that wasn't clear. Okay. That's not a real thing, Cindy. <laughs> okay. That's not real. You can't was, really go to Death Valley and well, tear at your heart. I was about to book a, a plane <laughs> ticket there. Um, okay, so this song, The Hunger, about keeping your passion while remaining a normal human. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so The Hunger... Um, Really, it started out, or like the, the the inspiration for the song was just about my experience in Nashville as a woman, and I feel like, you know, you can sort of take this with a grain of salt. You can listen to this however you want to listen to this, but my experience has, has been that I have felt sort of put aside by like the the men in the music industry there, um, mostly because I think that the fact that I'm ambitious and I have plans and I can like execute those plans is a little bit distasteful because I'm a woman mm. um, to to people I think that a lot of these um, like music row business men types would be uh, happier or more excited about helping me if I were a bit more lost in the woods um, and more of a damsel in distress and like need you know mm. um, that they could like swoop down and save Um that to me, that I've, you know, women deal with that kind of thing. Mm. That to me is just like so annoying because you have so much you want to get done. It's so annoying. Yeah, I didn't really realize it. Um, I, I didn't realize that this was a thing until I had a meeting with a, a woman who was an A&R rep of a record label. And this is I, earlier I mentioned that I had a, a label that was ready to sign me and it ended up falling through. And that was that was to no fault of, of hers. Um, it was like a whole structural thing. The label ended up being sold and they stopped signing everybody. So anyway, but uh, I had a meeting with her over lunch and like halfway through the lunch, I was like, man, this is really easy. Like, why is this so different than any meeting I've ever had before? And it took me like just a long time to figure out like, oh, it's it's because she's a woman and there like aren't all of these like invisible threads attached to our sentences, you know, like pulling at, at like which direction they need to go in. I don't know if this is making any no, sense. No, totally. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, th that's what the song, the hunger really is about, about like, okay, so if I'm not, people don't like me if I'm ambitious, maybe I need to let go of that and try to just like, you know, be aloof and like be cool. And then realizing like, no, that's actually nothing's going to get done if I do that. Right. <laughs> And also, that's not who you are. And, and it's, it's also not who I am. And it's, like, exhausting, and it's also sort of a form of manipulation. Yeah. mess with you. Yeah, it's all... I mean, well, I sort of couched it... As I tried it, I couched it in the, um, the like, sort of new-agey thing of just, like, letting go, you know? Being like, okay, <laughs> I want all these things, I'm going to try to let go of them. Mm -hmm. Which, like, I... I think there's some goodness to that idea. I don't... I, I'm not... I'm not against that idea. In this context, it was not positive for me. Mm. All right. The hunger...
and Lonely Dark is the next song, and this song is very intensely lyrically and musically. I don't want to assume what the song is about, but uh, if you'd be willing to share, would love to know ev- at least even in general, and and then like where that intensity came from. Yeah, so this is the one song on the album that I wrote years ago. I wrote this years ago, and I wrote it for somebody else. Um, this was for a man who, um, he actually backed one of my Kickstarter campaigns in 2013, my, my first Kickstarter campaign, and the reward that he chose was like the high dollar reward where, he, you know, you give me, you pledge $1,000 towards this campaign, and I will take one of your stories from your hist- from your personal history or your family history and turn it into a song for you. And, um, and he did, and when we met for lunch, he came down to Nashville from Minnesota, we met for lunch, and he just told me his life story, and it was, it was, uh, it was really dark. It was really, um, you know, he, uh, his mother committed suicide when he was, a, like, a, a young boy. He and his brother were put into foster, the foster care system and bounced around and abused, and then he struggled with addiction. I mean, it just kept going and going. And uh, at the end of this story, I was like, listen, you know, Mark, I, I would love to write your your story, and I would be, I'm, I'm honored that you would entrust me with this, but it's going to be a really sad song. And he said, perfect. <laughs> so that's that's where this one came from. Your singing is amazing on this song. Thank you. You sound like a blues powerhouse. Ah. How how did you stretch yourself vocally for this song? Or are you just like, I sing like that? No, yeah, no. I actually, um, I, I wrote the song with this, the melody that as it is on the album, and I really didn't feel comfortable or like I didn't feel like I like had the vocal power to do it until this record um wow so that yeah I don't know just you know hopefully I keep getting better over time and sort of grew into it maybe did your voice change at all after you had your baby during the pregnancy I I think I was able to sing higher more comfortably and I think maybe still it was pretty funny I don't know hormones are crazy pushing on your abdomen yeah I don't know come on mom (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's Cold and Lonely Dark. Pull the floor to the pedal Push one more time Too close to settle With my friends With my good friends My good song good friends dedicated to is is this about the new jersey friends again no actually i mean well yeah they're they're in my mind but i really wrote this for my drummer yeah i mean you know it's just it's hard when you're when you're close with someone and they are going through a rough patch and you know i'm i'm a fixer cindy i like to fix problems Mm -hmm. i know that that's a typically male quality but um i (laughs) am very much a fixer and it's not always useful because you can't fix everybody's problems The next song is called We Made It, um, a positive song about survival. We made it to the other side. We made it, Black and 
this song, you use the line, the darkest hours right before the sun comes up, which is, like, so true. Mm. But again, like, when you're in the middle of the shit, it's sometimes hard to believe that. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how you feel about that line when you're in the middle of a crisis versus how you feel after you've moved through it? Mm, Well, I've only been through one crisis since I wrote that song. Uh, (laughs) And I don't think... Yeah, I mean... So I would imagine after you wrote that line, you maybe were past the crisis. Mm-hmm. So you were probably like, that's so true. Like, every, like hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But when you're in the crisis, you're like, it's going to... Like, it's kind of like when we were talking like, about... this is where I live now. This is where I live now. This is life. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. Um, and you just never think it's going to end. Yeah, no, I, I do think... Um, no, I think I have evolved over time to be able to to know in my brain, if not in my heart and skin and soul, that it's going to, that, that everything changes and, it, and it's going to shift and get better. Mm-hmm. Um, even when something is, is dark. And I, you know, I wrote about that on my, on my 2015 record. It's the, the, the first song is called, um, the same road. And I always introduce that song by just talking about how, like, you know, when you go through something hard, you get to the other side of it and you think, oh, okay, I had to go through that to get here. And then I, I think that, I think I am able to bring that forward and say, as I'm going through something difficult, be like, well, you know what, this is going to end. And like, when I end up on the other side of it, I'm going to understand like how this shaped me in a good way. And you say about this song, we made it. You say, I love my band. I love rocking out. I love the energy we create and give to the audience and they give it right back to us. So it's really important for me to have songs like We Made It on every project. Do you have like a descriptor, like the rocking out Nora Jane songs? Yeah, yeah, it's just like like a tune where we all rage. It's like a rage song. Do you intentionally write a rager? I, I make, uh, well, no, I don't intentionally, I can't like sit down and be like, okay, I'm gonna write a rager. Like, and even when I wrote this, it wasn't a rager. It was like super lame when I wrote it. Like just that on the guitar, I was playing acoustic guitar and I was playing it in this like really square way, but I, I could like, I knew in my bones that it was a good song and that I just needed to change how I was playing my guitar. But, um, in the, but I wasn't worried. That's the thing. Like when, when I'm in the moment, when I'm writing something, I'm not going to worry about all that stuff. I'm just going to like get the song out, like Mm. do whatever I need to do. I'm not going to, I like, postpone like I, I all judgment and like just I like pin it up to the ceiling and just like let myself move around down here without without hindering myself um because it, anything can be tweaked later you know yeah all right that's we made it Take all your time Take all your time I've been waiting already So I really don't mind it Take all your time The final song on the record is Take All Your Time. Which, that's uh, the secret song. You're telling them the secret. Okay, then there's that's the, that's the whole album. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about the secret song? Yeah, we can talk about the secret song. So there is a secret song, which I'm really interested to hear about the lyrical structure Hmm. of that tune. Yeah, this is one that, like, 
I don't know if it makes a lot of sense. This was very flow for me. <laughs> this was just a flow song. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's about, like, for I wrote the song sort of to a future self of mine and to a past self of mine because it's really easy to get impatient. And when a person is impatient, it is really easy to take for granted everything that you have right now. Just trying to speak to, to all the different selves and, and acknowledge them, but also, like, bring them, bring them in, rein them in. I've been waiting already, so I really don't mind if you take all your time. Great. Well, that's the record, and it is out now. It's everywhere. And before we let you go, so the last time you weren't here, we did not get a chance to do this because it hadn't wasn't doing it yet. It's mm. called the lightning round. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some fun questions. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, Nora Jean Struthers. What is the first song you learned on the guitar? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The first one I can think of is, um, which is a really hard song, so it certainly wasn't the first one, is The Bo- is the Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, wow. What is your vocal register? In high school, I was a lyric soprano, and I sang opera, and right now I sing folk, and I sing really low. Love it. Um, what's your karaoke song? Ooh, um, Pearl Jam... Uh, daughter. Dogs or cats? Dogs. <laughs> that face. I'm uh, allergic to cats. Oh. <laughs> what is your coffee order? It's <sighs> so lame, Cindy. It's a decaf americano. Something lame. Favorite U.S. city? Pass. Yeah, okay. First album you bought with your own money? Maybe like Alanis Morissette. Me too. Sweet. Um, first concert? First big concert was... That's actually why I answered Alanis Morissette, because I first big concert was Alanis Morissette. Nice. Uh, dream collaboration? Ooh. Number one dream collaboration? Are there more? There's so many. Top three. Oh, gosh. I mean, I really want to sing with Willie Nelson and Iris Dement, and I'm counting that as one. Okay. Even though it's not one. That'd be amazing. This is too hard. Uh, something with Eddie Vedder or... Tim O'Brien, who I actually know, but I still, he's my, he's my number one, Tim O'Brien. He's like, folk. You know Tim O'Brien. Of course. Okay, great. Okay. For when you have a baby, gender reveal or wait to find out? Oh, I mean, I could not wait. (laughs) I want, I wanted to wait and I could not even, I mean, I I barely waited until, because I, I, we, I could have like called the fertility clinic and been like, what is it? You know, as soon as we found out we were pregnant. Really? Yeah, because they knew the gender of the embryo that they transferred to me. But I didn't. I waited until the second trimester. Um, Star Trek or Star Wars? At this exact moment, I'm going to say Trek. But really, I'm more steeped in wars. Last one. What is the most beautiful place you've ever visited? So many pretty places. I don't know. (laughs) First thing that pops into your head. Uh, There's the river in the Shenandoah Valley. Nice. Yeah. Great. I asked that question because then I'll plan my trips for my life mm-hmm. based on people's questions mm-hmm. yeah nora jane struthers you have done the lightning round thank you so much thanks thanks, Cindy. thanks for um doing this experiment with me for the new record which is out now bright lights long drives first words thank you for having me basic folk this week was produced by adam Corey. thank you adam you are a rock star Laura McCarthy, also producer on Basic Folk. Our business manager is Lindsay Myers. Alex Stanton of Townspeople does our music. I'm Cindy Howes. 
And I've been the person talking this entire time. It was me the whole time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please share it with your friends if you enjoyed it. Post about it on your social medias. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.